What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HillVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast where food and fitness come to hang out. I'm Sadie. I'm Sasha. And we are powered by Little Movements Apparel. You can find them online at littlemovementsapparel.com, at littlemovementsapparel on Instagram. Marissa and Lindsay are two badass lady bosses that share our mantra in women supporting other women. I mean, who can't get behind that? Check them out. Um, I mean, they've got amazing, amazing athleisure wear. And that's coming from me. I am like one of the pickiest human beings ever when it comes to what goes on my legs. Uh, And they're great. Check them out. Littlemovementsapparel.com. Use our code MEATHEAD at checkout for 20% off and save some of that cash. Today on the show... An interview I've been waiting for for a while. Yeah. One of my personal heroes, someone I have followed on Instagram for a while, many years <laughs> now at this point, Stacy Bama Burr. Girl, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. If listeners aren't familiar with who you are, we'll get to the really cool, exciting stuff that you've been doing recently in a minute. But um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into athletics and your, your progress and your evolution as an athlete? Oh man, let's see. Well, I came out the womb in 1991, <laughs> I believe, and that was when the greatest entered the world. But um, I don't know. I'd really, I grew up in South Carolina, so I'm from a family where physical labor is kind of just part of the duty, right? So I grew up doing a lot of things outside working, just physical stuff. And then I realized, yeah, when I stepped into a gym, and I think 2006 or seven, I stepped into a gym and I was like, wow, this lifting weights thing is kind of cool. And I'm already good at it because I was already good at work at physical work right right? so I was like oh you just put the weights on and stand up with it this isn't (laughs) nearly as hard as what I've been doing for my entire life so I kind of fell in love with it and I fell in love with with just training the fact that I could go into the gym and there was nobody there to tell me what to do or how to do anything I could just make my own plan and if I wanted to curl in the squat rack guess what I could do it, right? <laughs> yep. It wasn't, wasn't correct. You know, there's nobody that's telling you what you have to do. And even at a young age, I kind of realized that being told what to do and trying to fit into a certain mold, it wasn't really what I was destined for, I guess. You know, I've never felt exactly at home in that situation. So the first place I ever felt at home was in the gym. And so in a gym situation, that was like 2006, 2007. Um, then I continued to go on and I played college softball uh, at Cooker College in Hartsville, 
South Carolina. I, I really loved it. It was fantastic. And I've, I've always been super competitive at everything. You know, I just, <laughs> it's been one of my things. I think I get it from my dad. He's always just egging me on about everything, right? And so I, I needed this competitive, uh, you know, after I got done with college, like a lot of athletes do, they now who am I? What is mm-hmm. my identity? And this is actually something that even now it's started to like make a lot more sense because a lot of us connect our identity to what we've done as an athlete or anything like that. Yep. yep. But I definitely felt that when I graduated from college and I was like, okay, I feel lost. Like I used to be a super, dare I say, cocky, confident <laughs> individual, you know, and now I just feel like I don't even, what do I do with my hands? So I continued to train, but I started training with a group of bodybuilders, older bodybuilders, just the people that would come in there every single morning, rain or shine, right? It wasn't yep. the people that were my age because they were just hit or miss. You know, you'd have a training partner for a couple of days and then fall off. But it was my group of guys that were about 50, 60 years old, still coming in the gym. They didn't have anything better to do with their days. You know? So <laughs> that was who I hung out with. And they finally said, you know, hey, you're pretty strong for a girl, which obviously mm. infuriated uh, me. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'm strong for a girl, you say. But they were like, oh, you should power lift. Have you ever thought about it? And it was something I had never even heard of at that time. This was probably uh, 2000, and it was after I graduated from Coker, so 2014. Powerlifting wasn't really on the scene then. It wasn't a big sport, and I was like, I've never heard of this thing. But since you basically challenged me and said I was strong for a girl, I'm about to do this, and I'm about to beat everybody. (laughs) Yeah, the gauntlet has been thrown. 100% my motivation going into this was, okay, watch this, right? Mm -hmm, right. And so I did it, and I did my first competition in 2014. Um, That was the first time I got involved with powerlifting specifically, and I loved it. I loved it. I totaled 810, which uh, was pretty good at the time for, you know, a a brand new, I had no idea what I was doing. I made so many mistakes, just, uh, you know, newbie things. But once I started doing that, I was like, well, I was like, if this is how good I am without try, like trying really, I was like, let's see what I can do here, you know? And right. so I made it pretty much my mission from then. Once I got done with my first meet, I loved it because I loved that competitive nature. It was something that had kind of went dormant in me when I got done playing college ball, but I found it again. And I also found it, it was 10 times more powerful when it was like an individual sport, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because playing team sports, it's always, you know, I, team lead, I was a catcher. I'd be calling the shots for the most part. But there's only so much you can do. You know, you can hit a home run, but if we're down by four, it's still not going to do the job. So for me, it was like, wow, if I do this work in the gym, me personally, if I follow this meal plan, if I do these things, I can make this outcome immediately reflect that. And to me, that was just like a whole new opportunity for me that Mm -hmm. I found this just complete next level of competition in myself. And that was where it all started and here today, I stand with four all-time world records, and yeah. um, my best total is fourteen thirty-five at one forty-eight. And that's we went from eight ten to fourteen thirty-five. And the amount of time it took to do that, it was a, you know time dedication. I just really decided, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and I stuck with it. So, right. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, I, and I totally buried the lead. By the way, Stacy's a world record holder, <laughs> the first ever world record holder we've had on the podcast. So um, for people that don't understand what a Wilkes score is, I've tried to explain it to people before, um, and they still don't get it. <laughs> it's like an equalizer, basically, is how I explain it to people. But will you break down what the Wilkes score actually means and how yours compares to, say, like a 600-pound dude that's powerlifting? 
Okay. Well, it's uh, the Wilk score is one of those things. It's like a, a common denominator, right? Mm-hmm. It's basically to take your weight lifted in pounds based on your body weight. There's a lot of calculations in between that, honestly, I'm not your girl for. <laughs> right, right. I, I type it into the calculator mm-hmm. and it tells me, but it's a pound for pound. So basically, because when you're saying I'm a 148 pound female, you can't stack that the same as like, okay, there's no way that I could lift the same amount of weight as a 300 pound man or a 300 pound woman. Right. So it really just is like a equal equalizer between all the things they have Wilkes, they have dots, they have gloss printer. There's uh, several different you know, calculations or whatever, but previously for the past, uh, probably at least five, six years, Wilkes has been like the primary, like the number one equalizer across the board. Dots is actually coming across now as one of the more more predominant ones because there is a little bit of variance in it right Right. you can't say you know there's always going to be just i will skewed a little bit to this direction or that direction but it's the thing that we have to say okay well this is how everybody stacks up male female you know little big 141 or a you know 198 it's all the same basically with a Wilk score, dot score, anything like that. And that's what I love about powerlifting because it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter your weight class. Like, yo, if you're good, you're good. And this is why. So that's, that's really cool. I think that like, that's, that's that's one reason why I I totally interrupted you, but that's one reason why I, I love powerlifting was because Originally, I started training and I fell in love with training, right? It, just, it wasn't necessarily powerlifting or bodybuilding, anything like that. I just loved being in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then, so I looked at bodybuilding. I looked at bodybuilding because that was what I knew more so. I'd seen bodybuilders before and I'd read magazines. I That's how I first got into training was reading, right? I'd see the magazines in the stores and I'd just sit there and just read, look at exercises. But with bodybuilding, I felt like if I did that, I could follow a plan. I could do everything for 12 weeks, 15 weeks. And I'm talking about everything. Like when I say every single rep, every single meal, and I could still get on the stage and I could not be what the judge was looking for. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was kind of like a really, I don't know, it hurt my feelings a little bit to think that I have put all this effort into this and still I'm not what this person's looking for. So I don't, I don't win or I don't get the outcome. But if you're powerlifting, if it's 405 pounds on the bar and if you do it to comp spec, it didn't matter if I was fat. It didn't matter if I was ugly. It didn't matter if I was gay. It didn't matter any of these things that sometimes, you know, may have some type of political kind of agenda yep. or pull in a yep. different direction. With powerlifting, I could, you know, and this is what kind of I was known for was being so very loud and aggressive or whatever. It, you know, I didn't get any bonus points for that, but I also didn't get anything not for me. Right. If right, I right. did the, if I did, if I lifted the weight, if I did it, you get white lights and it's good. And so for me, that was something that powerlifting was so different from any other sport because there were no politics. There really weren't. It was you do it or you don't. And I'm so sorry for interrupting you. Oh no, you're fine. Like you kind of answered the question I was going to ask because <laughs> I think I was going to ask like, how, how long did the chip on your shoulder like get you to keep going one and two, like how long did it take you to get to the elite level of athlete that you are? Because Sadie and I both know the amount of dedication and time and oftentimes grit it takes to get there. But I don't think that it without talking to someone like you comes across when it's coming from us. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the chip on my shoulder, I'll be a hundred percent honest. It lasted until I got the job done. Right. Mm -hmm. So my whole entire goal when I first started this, I wasn't quite sure where I was going, the direction, but my first meet, I totaled 810. 
And at that time, my family's always been like a huge role in my life. And I told my grandpa, who was my biggest supporter in any endeavor that I did, I told him, I was like, hey, I totaled 810 at this meet. And somebody told me down the line or whatever, it was like 10 pounds off of a junior world record kind of thing. At the time, I thought that was really intense and important. But, you know, now I know a little better. But he looked at me and I was like, you know, that's 10 pounds off of a world record. And he said, I was like, can you believe it? And he looked at me and he said, of course, I can believe it. You're the strongest woman in the world. And I've told this story. I've told this story hundreds of times. And every single time I talk about it, I get a little emotional because that was really the chip on my shoulder. It came from that. And Mm -hmm. it came from that because I, I was nobody. I just started, I bought my first singlet off of an online site. It was like 40 bucks. I mean, it was legit. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I said that I did this thing and my grandpa was like, well, duh, you're the strongest woman in the world. And so for me, it was just that little seed, right? It was that plant that was like, well, maybe I am the strongest woman in the world. Maybe, maybe I am. Like, who says I'm not? If he thinks I am, you know, old people don't lie to you. Unless right, it's about right, like, right. Unless, unless it's about being overweight, then they'll just tell you that you're just chunky uh, or big boned or whatever. Fluffy. And to have another strawberry, have another strawberry <laughs> shortcake, right? That, that's yeah. what they'll say. But other than that, if, if, if you, what's that on your face, baby? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a tattoo? Mm, that looks bad. You know, I mean, old people don't lie to you, right? They they'll tell you what they think. And so I was like, well maybe I am the strongest woman in the world. And so for me, that chip on my shoulder, yeah, for sure. It was a little playful, like, oh, well, you think I'm strong for a girl? Watch this. But also after that, I had a whole bigger purpose, right? I was like, I'm going to prove it. And then so after my grandpa passed away, I knew I had to, like, I knew it was just like part of my, what I wanted to do with my entire life. Mm -hmm. And so when I say that, some people don't really think about what that means in scope, right? Because so many people out there talk about, like what you say, you can't really actualize what that means to dedicate your whole life to something until you talk to someone who's actually done it, right? Yeah, right. Not for everyone. I'll go ahead and say not for everyone. It's possible that everyone can do it, but it really requires a huge amount of sacrifice. And so from that day, it was, that was 2014. And so from 2014 and then from my last competition was 2019 at the Arnold, he took me five years. And that doesn't seem like a ton of time because it's not. There's a lot of people out there that have trained for 10, 15, 20 years. But a lot of that is, you know, training. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, almost like a shotgun approach. Like it's training and it's various and it's, you know, not with a super hyper specific goal in mind. Yep. So I took that five years of my life and I dedicated my whole life. Uh, what time I went to bed, what time I went to sleep, how much water I drank, every single meal that I, you know, ate was calculated, regimented. And if I couldn't, you know, go to a social gathering because I had to bench press, I didn't have very many friends. I sacrificed a lot. Um, I had my house and then I had my separate gym space because I started getting kicked out of gyms because lo and behold, I'm not everybody's taste and flavor. Right. So I was too loud. I was too aggressive and I had to tone it down or I had to go. So, so out of there, because toning it down is no fun. Who needs to tone it down at the gym? I mean, I mean, a lot of my just, you know, complete honesty and vulnerability, a lot of my 
how I was, how I would train and whatnot, it would come from where I was at mentally, right? It would come from where I was at emotionally. And that was my only outlet that I ever felt like I could actually be myself. And so there's a lot of, you know, little bits and pieces of mental illness that is scattered throughout my training. And I don't try to deny that at all. I really don't. But the idea of toning that down that would have had an even worse negative effect on me because it wouldn't have been my outlet. Right. Right, right. I had to, if I had to kind of control and harness who I was, that wasn't going to move the weight. that wasn't going to get the job done in a lot of situations. And it sounds completely dramatic. I totally get it. But when you tread that line of like the complete hyper elite level, there's going to be a little bit of stuff that doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense, but then again, it does. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. you know, I mean, like I said, I was from South Carolina and powerlifting was not a real sport there. It was just, I was a freak that lifted in the corner of the gym. It was too loud for my own good. And I probably should go see a therapist, <laughs> you know, but whenever they started telling me, you know, the gym, it was a gym I had worked because I was a personal trainer uh, for probably, I think seven or eight years previous to this, I'd started personal training uh, right time I got into college. Cause I just loved training. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of transformation, not only in like, you know, powerlifting numbers and totals, but in the idea that I could take a person that had walked in, you know, a couple months prior, head down, would not make eye contact with anybody, you know, just no self-confidence. I could take that same person and in a month or two months of just training, not even anything crazy, but just training. They come in, they're smiling, their heads up, like that level of transformation to me, that's what absolutely drives my entire passion and just everything is just seeing that, that we all have that power to change, right? It's just yep. if we want to do it. Or not. So I've been personal training at this gym for probably about seven years. And whenever they told me I had to tone it down or I had to go, I was really upset about it. I mean, it broke yeah. my heart, right? Yeah. That's somewhere where I thought it was like a safe space for me that they understood who I was. They understood that I was trying to help all my clients, Um, but then again, you know, it's really hard to grow where you're not wanted. So I decided just to pick up and, you know, grow where I wanted to be planted at. So I made my own gym space and that was my first gym space that I made in South Carolina and I had it available. You know, I just started, I didn't have a ton of money or anything. I just started buying bars off Craigslist. Yeah. I started buying, you know, piecing it all together and buying the horse stall mats here and there. I'd drive four hours to go pick up gym equipment, whatever. That was how I spent my time. Yep. While other people are doing, you know, like having fun or these things that are, you know, going places. I was spending time picking up gym equipment or training, you know, and just trying to find a way to set, set my life up so I could reach this goal. And so I made that space there. Um, and then when I finally was pretty much at the point where I needed like extra idea, more guidance, right. I was the strongest one in my area. I'd have to drive to Georgia or Florida to compete because once again, you know, there weren't competitions here. Mm -hmm. So I started seeing that, you know, if you're the big fish in the small pond, you're going to limit your growth. So what I had to do, I ended up moving down to Florida to train with my coach. And that was, I lived with, uh, I went from staying at my house, my own property, three acres of land, my own gym that I built. I moved down to Florida to stay in his guest bedroom with his family and his two kids. Call it a sacrifice, you know what I'm saying? But I moved down there because I knew that I needed to have eyes on me. I needed that feedback. I needed somebody to look at me and say, Stacey, you're not doing enough, you know, because Mm. for me, I thought I was doing the most. And a lot of people, I think they think they are doing the most. They think they're doing everything right. 
And you might be doing good, but there's always better that you can do. And if you want to achieve a, a bigger level, like I competed, I think in November of 2018, and I went again for the highest all-time Wilkes, and I came up just short, one dead look away, and I got really upset about it. I got really upset because I broke a new all-time total record. I had done something extraordinary, but I was so upset about it because I didn't reach the ultimate goal of hitting yeah. the all-time highest Wilkes that I was aiming for, and I was like, Trevor, who is my coach, I told him, I was like, I, I feel like I did everything. I feel like I did everything right. I didn't miss a meal. I didn't miss a training session. I was like, you know, the whole poor me kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was like, what, what, what can I do, man? And then I sat there and thought about it. And I was like, okay, I know what I can do. And it's dramatic, but if this is what I have to do to achieve this, you know, 1% more success, I'll do it. So I moved down to Florida and stayed with him and his family just so I could train with him every single day. Mm -hmm. And just, you think it sounds like a great idea and stuff until their family's cooking and eating, you know, macaroni and cheese and spaghetti. Yeah. And you're like, oh, sick, this Tupperware meal that I cooked three days ago, I really want to eat this right now. Like, <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and so this is the type of like the little things that people are like, oh, yeah, I want to be the best. And it's like, <laughs> but do you now? And that's, right. that's my next question. Um, I think uh -huh. a lot of times people take others success for granted. Like, oh, you make it look so easy. And it's like, cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it's still really difficult to do something at an exceptional level, be it yeah any walk of life. It doesn't matter if you're honing your craft, you're honing your craft and that shit takes time. But going for the all times Wilk, all time Wilkes record is a very big undertaking. How did you and Trevor start to roadmap for something of that magnitude? And my favorite part, my favorite part of all of the setup for your world record run was I'm not leaving this garage until I'm the best in the fucking world. I still remember you saying that on Instagram and it still gives me chills when I say it. I'm just like, damn girl, go get it. It gives me chills that you saying it too, honestly. <laughs> and like, I appreciate this, just this topic here because so many people, you know, you make it look so easy. So they discount how hard it is. Mm -hmm. Here's yep. the thing. I'm not going to tell you how hard something is. Why? Because by me, if I'm sitting here complaining about how hard it is, guess what? I'm, I'm losing focus on how hard I have to work. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So like anything that we do, and this is something for me specifically, that's always irked my nerves. People be like, Oh, wow, you just did that so easy. Oh, you just picked up and left. I mean, you know, it must be so easy to do these things. And it's like, no, I <laughs> cried myself to sleep. Like pretty much every night I wanted to eat all the other food, but guess what? I decided I had a goal and I asked myself every single time when I would have like a, a conscious kind of thing, I'd be like, is that going to help me get closer to the goal or is that going to push me further away? Yep. Yep. And I'm talking about every single decision. Like if somebody wants to hang out and that sounds so harmless, I'm like, okay, is this going to drain my energy or is this going to give me more energy? And so you, I just had to be super selfish. And so many people look at that and they're like, wow, I mean like super selfish, like way to glorify that. And it's like, Self-care, baby. Yeah, Self man. Right. It's, it's, it's not all about the bubble bass and getting your toenails painted. Like, that's great. But also self-care is knowing what you need. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of energy that I had to give to other things was very small, few and far between. It was very hard. And people don't realize that physical training, that's not even the hardest part. It's yeah. everything else because you don't realize how 
in tune you have to be mentally emotionally just to connect with your physical presence right mm-hmm. because moving moving the type of weight that i did uh yeah that was going to require every ounce of me right like my best squat was 565 and when you're in it and when you're doing it it seems so normal right like oh yeah, yeah for sure i'm going to take a next warm up at 500 and then do this but now being a little bit being like 2 years removed from competing and stuff it's like huh that was actually pretty intense. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Cause it's like when you're doing these things, it's either so, so hard that you're not talking about it. You're busy actually doing it. Or it's so commonplace for you that you feel like, okay, you've normalized it, but it doesn't change the fact that how hard it was to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I really love that question or just like that topic, because just because things are hard, it doesn't mean that you can't do it, but also respect people when they're actually out here doing something even if you don't understand it because even if it's not it doesn't make sense to you it might make more sense than anything else in the world because for me that's what powerlifting was and that was what going for this all-time Wilkes record it came from my grandpa telling me that I was the strongest woman in the world yep Yep. so a lot a lot of people just look and laugh at like oh she got the highest Wilkes record cool what that's not even I, I, I got all the all-time world records for 148, so which was my weight class. So then the only thing more than that was, okay, well, this is for women in 148. I want to be of all, of all of everything. And the only mm-hmm. thing that you can base that off of is some type of score, which is a Wilts, a Dots, or something like that. But it was, I mean, five years of an intense, intense focus. And if people would just, like, if you recognize that with any type of focus, you can do anything Mm -hmm. that's the coolest thing for me is like I'm I'm removed now from competing but what I learned through this was I had a goal and I set a target and I just made every single decision based on if this was going to bring me closer to my goal or if this was going to take me further away and it was only a matter of time before it happened right Trevor and I did two meets together uh I competed before that with another coach who didn't have my best interest in mind Trevor and I actually didn't talk completely about my, my end game goal. I just knew it was going to be secondary to the process. Right. Like, because I never wanted to say, Trevor, I want to squat this number. I want to do this. I just wanted to work as hard as I possibly could to get as strong as I possibly could. And I knew the end game result would be what I wanted, but it was kind of hard for me to tell him if that makes sense, because A lot of this sounds a little far-fetched, and I really understand that because I lived it, right? Yep. And so telling somebody that how important something is to you, and then they might not even, like, understand, or they might laugh it off, like, oh, whatever. But there was a meet that uh, the one that I said I had the, the last deadlift was the one that I, I missed the last deadlift, and so I came up a little bit short, and then I had to do the Arnold. But Trevor had asked me, we, we didn't talk about numbers or anything like that. Trevor and I just really had a good chemistry together. And I respect the fact I might be a little on the cocky side, but it's because I can back it up. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it comes to coach and athlete, I have no attitude at all because if I hire a coach, they know better than me. So guess what? My job is as an athlete, I have nine attempts that I have to lift the amount of weight and the thinking part, I'm done with it. Like that's why I pay somebody to think for me. Yep. And so I, tr- I trusted Trevor with everything, every absolutely everything. So he made all the calls. And then on my third attempt deadlift, he said, do you want to go? Let's see, what was it? He was like, he said, do you want to go for the safe bet and just break 1400? It wouldn't have been enough for the all-time Wilkes. He said, or do you want to go for all of it? 
And I looked at him and I was just like seething, right? I was like, I didn't come here for any less, you know? And so he was like, okay. He's like, I wanted to ask you because like, if you said, okay, let's go with the safe bet, you probably didn't think you had it, right? Mm -hmm. But I kind of bowed up at him and said, I'm I'm here to do a job. He was like, okay, that reinforces that confidence. Trevor and I just really we really understood each other. And I think that that is a hundred percent. The reason why I was able to do this with him is because after, especially after I told him, you know, how upset I was because I came up short, he understood the amount of, you know, just how much this really meant to me. And that's why he offered us to open up his house to me because yeah. to me, that's what some people don't even realize that either. It's like, yeah, I talk about how, Oh, I stayed with him and his family and oh, it was such a hardship for me. But I got to say thank you because I appreciate the fact that he opened his doors to me to open up his house because he believed in me, right? Yeah, because that's, he that's knew, awesome. He, you know, he knew that if I did this, it would give me what I wanted. Yep, and so, I mean, yep. that to me is just, that's so, I'm so thankful and grateful for that and for him just all around because he's a wonderful guy. So if you guys don't follow him online or, you know, Jackie Strength, yes, he's yeah. the, the, the best in the world outside of me, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> Um, we actually talked about, um, on like a previous episode, like the importance of like discipline versus motivation. And you kind of touched on that with your last question or the answer to the last question, but can you talk about the difference and how it applies to training and just life in general? Because I think that that's an important thing to like reinstill in people because sometimes it's difficult to understand. Oh, absolutely. And I still... Even now, it's like I've taken a you know a hiatus from competing and everything because I did what I wanted to do. Now it's I'm more focused on motivational speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And like taking that idea of creating, you know, transforming yourself and that potential you have. But I don't even like calling myself a motivational speaker because motivation's not real, right? And I'm a person that's saying this, and I did great things, right? I did great things. I took five years, and every single day I shoveled the crap. But guess what? I wasn't always happy about it. I was, mm-hmm. I mean, there were some days when I would just wake up mad because I'm like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to do my mobility three times. I'm going to eat chicken and rice like four <laughs> times. I'm going to go to sleep at eight o'clock in the nighttime. I'm not going to talk to anybody because I'm trying to recharge. I was not motivated, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. You, whenever you make a commit to a new goal, I feel sure in 2014, when I was like, I'm going to be the best in the world. I feel sure that little bit of chip on my shoulder and the, you know, this is something new that feels good. It's exhilarating. You have a little bit of a rush, right? But if you're waiting on that little bit of a rush, if you're waiting on that motivation, it's not going to be there every single day and you're going to have to still put in the work every single day. And so when people use the excuse that, you know, I'm just not motivated. I need to find that motivation. This is where motivation is the stimulus that can really get you. Okay. Now I'm looking for something to do. I'm looking for somewhere to carry this energy to, but if you don't make the commitment to yourself and really start creating routines and adhering to like disciplined behaviors, you're not going to be able to get by just on motivation, not motivation, motivation, not motivation, because so many times you're not going to feel motivated. And it's, you know, it's one of those quotes that people overuse all the time. You know, if you only got work done on the good days, you wouldn't get a lot done anyway. But it's so very true because every single day is a new opportunity. I wake up and I would love to say that I poop rainbows all the time. (laughs) I I don't, right? Right, I try to, I try to be positive. I try to always look on the bright side, but I'm human too. And I have bad days just like anybody else. 
but it's on the good days, the bad days, ugly days, whatever it is, you have to make sure you're doing the best that you possibly can to set yourself up for whatever outcome it is that you want. And so I normally do this kind of thing. I like schedule my days. I structure my days and that's not motivation. That's discipline. Yep. And so the difference between the two, I feel like motivation is almost like an explosive kind of behavior. Like it's really hard, really fast and you can go pretty far with it until you can't. Right. Mm -hmm. So pretty much what we have to rely on is the slow twitch kind of stuff. We got to do the long steady game because you have to just keep putting in work every single day because it's just like an investment. It's just changing the jar and it continually adds up and adds up. And if we just one day put a hundred dollar bill in and that's our motivation, then for the next months when we don't put anything else in, we're not accumulating any kind of value. If we just keep putting a little bit in a little bit in, and I try to tell people too, you don't have to be a hundred percent to still bring your best. Right. And that's something that was taught to me a long time ago, just that country strong mentality kind of thing or whatever. It's like, bring your best. And if you do your absolute very best, nobody else can really say anything about it. And so some days your best is 110% go all in, but some days say something's happened in your life and you're not on your top of your game. You might only have 60% to give, but you got to give your 60% regardless because that's your best. Yep, and so yep. as long as you are continually working towards something, the idea of motivation is really goes into the back part of your mind because you're so focused on the other things that you need to be doing in your life. And I know that some of my behaviors are almost a little touch manic, a little <laughs> touch on the, on the opposite end of being too, too proactive with things. But it's almost a coping mechanism for me to keep balanced out and stuff because you just really have to figure out what you want. You have to figure out what the goal is. And then most of the time, the motivation is just not being there, right? Because if you're living in a life, if it's a relationship, if it's, you know, in a place that you don't want to be in any of these kind of things, if you're living and you're unhappy, that really is the only motivation that you need because you're not being your best there. But most of the time we frame it in our minds so it makes sense to us and we can rationalize and stuff. But this is why motivation is not even real because we'll rationalize that we need the motivation. That's why we can't do the things. We just need to start putting forth the effort into whatever it is that you want and you'll manifest in your life. Yep. Thank yep. you for coming to my TED talk. Yeah, no yes, that was like beautiful. Yeah, that was perfect. Do <laughs> TLDR, just do the damn thing. Right. <laughs> is it that you can or that you won't? Yeah. Which one is for it? For real, for real. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. Like, I'm like, motivation is great and all, and it's lovely, and it sounds sexy and all that jazz. And that's what people always say. Like, if I had a dollar for real, oh, every Lord. time somebody has a question about their fitness journey and they're like, oh, motivation, it's always motivation. And I'm just like, <sighs> I can't say fuck motivation, but motivation really only gets you like the first month in oh, this whole journey, that. I feel like, or even <laughs> yeah. the first three weeks. Like yeah. it gets you day one. Yeah. It gets you through <laughs> your first workout. And then after that, it's like, okay, I'm sore. I know I yeah. need to work out. Should I go work out? The answer is yes. You yes. should go yes, work you out. Should. You should always. Like when, you, when you're sitting on the couch with you know, your delayed soreness from the first uh. time you train legs in like five years, you know, there's no motivation in the world that's going to get you no. there. I'm sorry. Nope. It's just, okay, I said I was going to do this, so I'm going to follow gonna do through. it. Yep. I made a commitment. Just, people now don't get this though. They look for this motivation because like we, no, no, nobody follows through. Like if somebody says, for me, I don't know. I just always, if I say I'm going to do something, trust and believe it's done. Same. Right. It's already done. And if, so that's the type of character that I, I want. If I say something, people are just like, okay, well, let's wait. 
she's gonna it's gonna be done and so yep. that's the way I am in my relationships that's the way I am in everything and that's what I want people to know me as like mm-hmm. she actually does what she says she's gonna do yeah yep. and nobody else values that anymore apparently because we, we live need motivation we live, right. in a, we right. live in this weird instant gratification kind of a world now and I don't think that it's made people flaky on purpose, but it has kind of made people flaky. Mm -hmm. Like, really, a lot flaky Honestly, like, my 2020 intention for myself was to be more that person. Like, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. And I think that that's the only thing that, like... Because there's so much shit that happened in 2020 (laughs) that has carried over to now 2021, where I could have made excuses, but it's like... Is it, I always bring that, that's why I brought it up in the last episode. Like, is it that I can't do it or that I don't want to do it? Cause yeah. there is a difference. A They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was like going up and showing up for like going and showing up for myself on the days I didn't want to, that kept me going because then it was mm-hmm. like, shit, I did it. Even though I had the 60% yeah. that Bama brought up, you know? Like, I love when people are like, oh, I couldn't get a workout in today. And I'm like, Psh, Sasha went did you- and worked out in a 17-degree storage unit <laughs> this did. morning with no heat and no lights. What's your excuse? Like, You can watch three episodes on Netflix, though. Yeah, you could. You could watch three episodes oh on Netflix. Oh, my God. When people, oh, I didn't have the time. Oh, no, 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 no. Wrong. You didn't, you didn't make, make the, the time. time. Yep. Like, it wasn't a priority for you. And, like, saying that sucks, right? Saying, oh, I didn't do what I set up. I was gonna do that sucks so I we don't want to say that yeah but that's what you need to say because yep. it shows you it brings you up on your bull crap right yep. because I this is one thing I'm a coach I have a training company I love all of my athletes they are the bomb Bama Freak Squad training if you guys are interested and you're serious yeah, yeah. give me a you know holla at your girl yeah but so many people say oh well I just didn't have the time today but I've got moms that work three different jobs have three different kids and like I have so many people that don't make excuses and I am one that I, I never make excuses, right? Oh, your legs broke. Well, you got another one. Okay. Right. I mean, just <laughs> all arms I'm all reason- the time. I'm reasonable. I'm reasonable. Right. But I can cipher through, like, I mean, excuses, we all have a million of them. Like I could make yep. 20 excuses right now for why I didn't want to podcast with you guys or why I don't want to work out today because it's going to be hard because I'm going to have to adjust like blah, blah, blah. But it's up to you. Is this the goal that I want? Is what I'm doing right now getting me closer or is it taking me further away? Yep. And if you have, I, I just podcasted about like accountability. If you recognize that you have made a commitment to yourself, to yourself, that's the number one most important commitment that you have. Yep. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, then this that goes into the whole, what you were talking about, people being flaky, people being, you know, they want things so instant, like instant gratification that if you're not willing to even commit to yourself for one workout or for one session or whatever it is, you don't want what you say you want. You really need to do some internal work. I mean, you said something and it was like uh, the 2020 brought up a lot of things, right? Like it's just like one of those 2020, 100% hardest year of my life. But I will just go ahead on record and say 2020 was the best year of my life. And like not financially speaking, absolutely not. But from a like mental, emotional stuff that like, Hey, there's some things about me that I should probably address like boundary setting. Like what is actually good for me doing the things that I want to do? Like, even if I'm scared to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, for me, 2020 really opened up my eyes a lot for how I'm actually taking care of myself and what I'm doing in my life to basically benefit me because 
we do a lot of things sometimes and we think we need motivation or we think we need all this, but most of the time we just really need to see what we want and gain some clarity of that. Because if you really want to do something, it seems to be a little easier when you really want it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And we talked about that last week too. Like we talked about like coming from a place of positivity versus negativity and how if you come out with venom, it's never going to work. And we also talked about if you don't respect yourself, no one on this damn planet is ever going to respect you either. Like that is one of the most important things I think I have learned from my own fitness journey over the last almost six years is that you need to respect yourself because you are a damn God. You Mm. just don't know it yet. Like. Treat yourself like the God or goddess that you are. Yeah. I mean, like, look at this, like my whole process, the reason why I like talking and sharing is because like I came from nothing. I'm talking about, I am uh, the whole, I have a shirt made that it says nothing special. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what we meet Trevor and I used to always joke about. It's like, I was nothing. I was this, you know, corn fed girl out in South Carolina that was a little bit on the crazy side and just really would not give up. Like, Mm -hmm. even if nobody believed in me, even if nobody said, you know, this was a sport or like, you know, people like, oh, you're going to dedicate your whole life to this. Okay. How much money is involved in it? And I was like, (laughs) I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll let you know. It's like, ah, yeah. I'm to be determined. Right. Okay. I'm just gonna make a pod. I'm just gonna make a podcast. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 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 It's like, so all these things, you know, I don't even know where I was going with that, but it's just so important to do the things that you want because like I started from nothing and I just believed in myself enough and had a little bit of somebody plant a seed in me that look what I became, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I look at this sometimes and like, I still have imposter syndrome. I think everybody does to an extent. Mm-hmm. We feel like we're not doing enough or, you know, whatever, but looking at where I came from, when I talk to my dad on the phone, sometimes I just hang up and I'm like, man, I'm doing okay. <laughs> like, bless up. Like I'm doing okay. Yeah. But you can be whoever you want to be. You have the capability and the power and the potential to be this guy, to be this person that you want to be. You want to be the all-time record holder? Go do it. See the number, set it up and say, okay, I've got to squat 550 something pounds. I mean, like there are markers on how to do these things. And I think so many people in the, in the world of like, you know, instant gratification, it's just like, there's so much information everywhere. We're so spoiled that like the information is right there for us to see. What do I have to do? Google, how do I become firefighter? How yeah, do that's I become, literally all it. This, all of it's right there. How do I start podcasts? Yeah. Right. It's all right there for you, but it's almost too accessible that it's so easy to grab. Like when all this stuff, I would feel like I was clawing my way through the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like now I feel like everybody just has it sitting there and it's like, eh, nah, better not, you know? Oh. And so, Oh, that's that what whole, I have to do. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that sounds like a lot of not even effort, but I'm not willing to do it. Right? right. I know. Half the time, the problem is just figuring out what to type into Google, and then you just have to read. <laughs> right. Like. You have to read. <laughs> sorry. Oh, bomber. I mean, I'm sorry that Amazon, you have to read. <laughs> dude, Amazon is a game changer. Like, I'm not even trying to like gas up big business or anything here, but like, you type in black chair or whatever it is you're like that's exactly what I wanted I don't even have to leave my house that's exactly what I wanted and that's all you have to do basically with whatever your career is whatever the thing that you want to do start a small business like y'all think I know how to y'all think I knew how to make an LLC or how to do any of this stuff Google yeah it's not it's not that complicated it's not that hard and that's the thing the only reason why like I did I did the thing that I said I was gonna do basically so I could stand here on my podium and be like Hey guys, you can do it too. Yeah, you really can. 
And I try to tell people that, and I feel like sometimes they don't believe me, but it's like, no, if you, if you focus on a thing, I mean, it has to have a, it, sometimes it has to kind of be a broad stroke, but, um, if you focus, you can be amazed at what you can actually do. You are super, super busy these days. So we really, really appreciate that you joined us today. Tell us about some of uh, your current projects. You've got brick squad going, you've got the podcast that you've mentioned already. What else are you up to? Um, so my training company is Bam and Brick Squad Training and I have about 40 athletes. So I have athletes from all over the country. Um, I'm now, I just moved to Kyle, Texas. So I'm right outside of Austin, Texas, and I've got a ton of in-person clients there. So if you're in that area and you want to come train with me, I'll come yell at you for a little bit. <laughs> come check me out at Liberation Barbell Club. That's in Austin, Texas. Uh, my supplement company, Hyperion Sports Nutrition. We launched that last year and it was definitely a challenge, but we We've got everything set up a little bit better this year, hopefully with, you know, COVID and whatnot and doing a lot of online stuff instead of the Arnold. So bigger online kind of events. So if you guys are interested in some intro workout, pre-workout or anything, I'll have to send you guys a little care package. Oh, we would love that. We would love that. I'll I'll make sure I get you guys a care package, but you can use code Bama 10 um, at checkout if you want to check any of that out. And then the podcast is my absolute baby. And that's the champion mindset podcast. And that's the podcast I think I started. It's been a little over a year ago and I didn't know what it was when I first started it, but it's pretty much a personal development podcast. Mm -hmm. I just talk about whatever it is that I feel is necessary or feel that you guys could use a listen to. And it's been a really, really cool transformative process, just getting some feedback and, you know, putting positivity out there and just maybe being the click that the people need to say, oh, well, this is what I need to do to get get to the next level yeah yeah five, five ten minutes give it a listen you know any of my episodes they're available on spotify itunes and wherever you get your podcast we so. will put a link to that up in the show notes section at meheadtestkitchen.com yeah. as well and that is something really cool about your podcast i'm going to stray from that for a second and talk about that i have been listening to your podcast since you started and the evolution of you as a host has been really cool for me to watch because that's my job and that's what i'm super nerdy <laughs> about and you are fucking killing it so keep it up oh, keep it up thank you yeah. thank you Thank you. I really appreciate that because, well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, your first podcast is going to suck. Your first day in the gym is probably going to suck. Your first day at this new job is going to suck. All these things are going to suck, but it's just up to you to keep doing it, right? I think uh, today's episode was episode 74. So I guess after 74 episodes, maybe I got a little (laughs) bit better. Yeah, for sure. That's what, you know, that's what I hope that, you know, biggest takeaway from anything or anything that I talk about is that you can always be better. And I hope that, you know, if you listen to something or see a picture of you from three years ago, whatever it is, maybe you've gotten a little bit better because Mm. you've been following your dreams, following your goals and just get 1% better every day. Yep. Yes, for that's sure. Amazing. I've got like 17 highlights written out from this episode. (laughs) This is so, this is such an amazing conversation. And um, like, we really appreciate you taking the time, especially with the big move and how busy you are with everything going on. Like this was, I already had high expectations, but it seriously like way overshot them. Like this was, has been an incredible conversation. We really appreciate it. Seriously. Like if you guys need any kind of filler content ever, I promise you we can have the same conversation in a week and it would be completely different. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Bye guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Stacey Bama Burr. She is the all time world record holder at 148 pounds with a 668.2 Wilkes score. And if you didn't catch the Wilkes explanation, you'll have to rewind and catch that again because she explained 
explain it way better than I ever could. Uh, you can check out her bio, see uh, what she's up to with Bama Brick Squad, with Hyperion, with the Champion Mindset Podcast, all at the show notes, meatheadtestkitchen.com, right there on the front page. Scroll down. They will be there for you. Also, check out our Amazon store. We've got all sorts of stuff in there for you. If you are looking to build your home gym right now in the times of COVID, meatheadtestkitchen.com store will be there for you. We've got equipment. We've got books. We've got supplements. We've got all snacks. Yeah. We even put our favorite snacks in our Amazon (laughs) store because we love you. So check that out. Meatheadtestkitchen.com. A wealth of information there for you. You can also find your 2021 habit tracking kit, which you can get started now. Just started a couple weeks late. That's okay. There's no better time to start than today. So if you already missed your January 1st goal of resetting your new habits, join us now. Listen to last week's episode and the week before and uh, start changing your habits. As we talked about today, it's like most of it is all upstairs. Yes. Like the physical part's the easy part. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So check all that out, meatheadtestkitchen.com. You can shoot us an email if you have any questions. Find us on Instagram at meatheadtestkitchen. And on YouTube for form check videos, we'll be posting some wads very soon. Mm -hmm. whole lot of fun shit coming for you there. So be ready for that. Meathead Test Kitchen, out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK. A Huda Media Production.